Welcome to the Longevity Lab podcast. This week, we're continuing our foundations series. So already in episode four, we touched on the foundations of nutrition. In episode six, we touched on the foundations of strength training. And this week, we're going to be touching on the foundations of lifestyle. So for for my clients, I break this down into four separate categories for things to master for lifestyle in order to live long and live strong. And they are going to be sleep, sun, walk, and water. These are the four things that we want to get fantastic at to execute on daily in order to give us the the healthiest outcomes um, and to reach the goals you have for your health and fitness. So we're going to touch on kind of the science um, behind each one and fill you in on why it is so beneficial to focus your efforts on these four areas of your lifestyle. So let's jump off with sleep. Sleep is, I think, arguably one of the most important things that we can focus on, if not the absolute most important. I would probably put top three as nutrition, strength training, and sleep. And I think we can make a pretty good case for sleep actually being the top one. But I think I think everybody's got a good claim to the throne. So I'm not going to make the, the claim that sleep is the number one most important thing, but it's up there. And I think we take it for granted a lot as well. You know, classic saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But the trick is, if you don't sleep, you're going to get there a lot faster. So we do want to sleep. We want to sleep well because it can make a huge, huge impact on a lot of things that that contribute to our health, obviously our energy levels, but it can contribute to performance, negative or positive. It can also contribute to nutrition, both the quality and the quantity that we talked about in that Foundations of Nutrition episode, and it can even affect our learning ability, which is pretty wild. So let's focus on, on nutrition first. So sleep actually impacts our appetite and our food choices. Um, so with appetite, it will affect both ghrelin, which is our hunger instigating hormone. This goes up with a lack of sleep and with a lack of sleep, leptin, our satiety signaling hormone, the hormone that tells us when we're full decreases. So when we don't get enough sleep, not only do we feel hungry for no real reason other than we didn't sleep enough, but we also cannot tell as easily when we're full. So this is a double whammy that leads to more eating. That leads to your body telling you to eat more while not telling you when to stop. And one particular study showed that people who only got four to five hours of sleep, which for some people is a pretty normal night of sleep, ate 300 calories more than people who were well-rested. And well-rested is usually defined as seven to eight hours or seven to nine hours of sleep. But in addition to both to the quantity, another study looked at the quality of food from sleep-deprived people versus well, well-rested people and found that people who didn't sleep as much chose to eat 300-plus more calories from sweet and salty snacks when those snacks were available to both groups of people. So sleep is going to make it so that your body pushes you to eat more, and in most cases, you're going to buy a few hundred calories and your food quality choices is going to go down 
more of those calories are going to come from sweet and salty snacks or probably on processed foods or just less healthy food choices. So with poor sleep, quality of food or quantity of food increases and quality decreases. So lack of sleep makes healthy eating harder. Not only that, but performance is also going to suffer with less than eight hours of sleep. So again, that optimal sleep time is really seven to nine hours. Somewhere within that range is generally going to be optimal for all people. But when we fall below that, we get fatigued more quickly. So our endurance actually drops. Some studies will show by as much as 10 to 30%. Our peak strength also decreases. So not only can we not reach the highest levels of our strength, but we also can't maintain it for quite as long when we're sleep deprived. And our blood oxygen level even decreases with lack of sleep. So strength, power, endurance, all of those things go down when we don't get enough sleep. Huge impacts on our physical performance when we're sleep deprived, which is why when we go to the gym and we're feeling a little low on energy, feeling a little low on sleep, so our workouts aren't as good. I mean, it's it's pretty simple, right? Like we've all felt that before. So sleep is going to greatly affect performance. And then as I touched on before too, it has a huge impact on our smarts, on our learning ability. So it's actually during sleep that you cement your memories, information, and physical skill learning from the previous day. You also prepare your, prepare your brain to intake more the upcoming day. So it takes the day you just had, cements all that, and then also kind of clears the catch for all the information that you're going to upload the following day. So, so what sleep does is it facilitates an electrical transaction in your brain that moves information, memory, skills from quote-unquote short-term storage to long-term storage. So from the hippocampus to our cortex. And this actually happens during a stage two non-REM stage of sleep. And the significance of this is that there are powerful bursts of electrical activity called sleep spindles during this sleep stage. And the reason that the duration of sleep is so important to our learning capabilities is because these spindles are most active during the last two hours of an eight-hour night of sleep. So if we sleep six hours or less, we lose the most powerful time period for ingrating information and skills into long-term storage. So that's why we really want to be getting that eight hours of sleep so that we can get those last two hours, those most powerful hours for our learning. So sleep is going to impact, again, nutrition, performance, our ability to learn. We want to make sure that, that sleep is well taken care of. Now let's move on to sun. Sun is our next foundation. And again, we're going to touch on touch on just the science behind these things today. We're going to lay out strategies for you when we take a little bit deeper dive into every topic. But sunlight is an important signal for our brain and body. Both of those things, brain and body, have a 24-hour clock called the circadian rhythm, which is housed in our, our hypothalamus, part of the brain, which is basically the command center for hunger, satiety, sleep, and stress response, which means that light can affect all of those things because light affects the circadian rhythm. And all light can affect this clock and this rhythm, but it's most sensitive to blue light. Blue lights are those artificial lights, screens, 
LEDs, fluorescence. Sunlight is different, it would be classified as red light. But when blue or red or any other type of light hits our eyes, it's detected by proteins called melanopsin. And so in the morning, light entering the eyes and engaging with those melanopsin sensors tells the body to stop producing melatonin, a sleep hormone, and start increasing cortisol, a hormone that helps you feel more alert. So this light exposure in the morning sets the stage for making you more alert, more wakeful. It also sets a timer, for lack of a better term, for releasing melatonin later in the day, roughly 14 hours later, which helps us fall asleep. So when we get that light exposure, it helps time the melatonin release later that's going to assist in making us sleeping and falling asleep. So morning light not only helps us wake up and feel alert, but it assists in falling asleep. And then again, in the afternoon, the setting sun also helps with assisting in falling asleep because we we see that signal of the sun going down. So it's kind of really the, the lowness, I guess, uh, in the sky of the sun that tells our brain what we're looking to do. So when it's lower in the sky in the morning and we see that, that's a wakefulness signal. When it's lower in the sky in the evening, that's a sleep signal. So we want to get out there a little earlier in the morning, usually before 10 a.m. when that sun is still relatively low in the sky because that angle down towards our eyes, towards those light sensors, that melanopsin is important. And then same thing, but opposite in the afternoon. So ideally with sun, we want to get it both in the morning and in the afternoon. But in addition to the wakefulness and sleepiness benefits of sunlight, it's also our greatest resource of vitamin D. And vitamin D is a key nutrient for hormones, immune system, recovery from stress. It's a common vitamin deficiency. And so sunlight is a simple but sophisticated signal for helping you stay alert during the day, sound asleep at night, and just generally healthy for a long, long time. So get that sunlight. Again, as much as you can in the morning, as much as you can in the evening, oftentimes 10 to 15 minutes is enough. If it's cloudy, a little bit longer. If you're at high altitude, like where I was in Denver, typically you don't quite need as much. Let's move on to walking. So we've covered sleep, sun. We're going to hit walk and water. But the step science. So honestly, walking is one of the most underrated activities that we can do to stay healthy, strong, and lean. If you asked me what activity you should do, if you could only do one, I would really want to say strength training. Like every fiber in my body would be like, you just need to strength train, you're going to be okay. But the truth is, is if you're limited to just one, walking is probably going to be the most beneficial. And it has a dramatic effect on your longevity. So one study that I found pretty interesting looked at people who are getting less than a thousand steps per day. So basically not moving around all day. When they increased to just 3000, which is still below average for what Americans walk per day, they saw a 12% decrease in all-cause mortality. Pretty significant decrease in mortality there. But even more incredible is when they reached 8,000 steps, they saw a 46% decrease in dying from any cause. So going from 1,000 to 8,000, which 8,000 is the amount that I recommend to all my clients, saw an almost 50% drop in death from any cause. So there's a direct relationship between increasing steps and increasing longevity. And the most dramatic 
and drastic increase comes from getting up to about those 8,000. And as you add to that going from nine, 10, 12 plus, like you do still see improvements. So it is worth it to get more steps, but it does level off some. We see, we see a dramatic uptick getting up to that 8,000. But after that, like I said, it does level off. So this is why, why I personally set the target steps at 8,000. And if you want to get more, get more. It's going to be beneficial. It's just not going to be quite as beneficial as getting up to 8,000. So sometimes, you know, cost-benefit analysis, the time spent getting in more steps could be time spent meal prepping or strength training or doing other things, getting sunlight, getting sleep that are going to be more beneficial. But it's up to you and what you want to do. Because there are benefits to getting above 8,000. The benefits just keep going the higher your steps go. And the cool thing about walking is it's also not even, it's not important how quickly or intensely you walk. When the quantity, when the amount of steps is the same, so is the benefit, no matter if you're a fast walker or a slow walker. So all you need to do is just get steps in. Doesn't matter if you run or walk like a turtle. You're going to get benefit just from getting the steps. So if you get 10,000 steps and you're slowly walking around the neighborhood just for a nice slow stroll and another person gets 10,000 steps and they're power walking and they're getting after it no difference you both got 10,000 steps you're both gonna get tons of benefits what can have some added benefit is the frequency of steps so this is a little bit of splitting hairs for the most part but some research does back up that more frequent walks like smaller more frequent walks throughout the day are more beneficial than just one giant walk throughout the day so both of those things can reduce blood pressure, but the more frequent walks throughout the day do have a little bit of an advantage for reducing blood pressure, for reducing heart rate. So if your schedule does allow, you can split up your steps throughout the day. But if it doesn't, don't sweat it. Really, at the end of the day, we just want to get that quantity of steps. But again, you know, if you can split it up because the frequency of just movement throughout the entire day is super beneficial. That's really what we're aiming for by tracking steps is just keeping movement high throughout the day. And so if you get 10,000 steps in one go and then you don't move the rest of the day, like there's a little bit of drawback to that. You're still getting 10,000 steps, which is amazing, but then you're not moving for the majority of the day, which is not amazing. So if you can, try and be consistently moving throughout the course of the day. And if you can't, if your schedule doesn't allow, if you work a desk job, it's hard to get away from, I get it. Just get your steps at some point. Because again, quantity is going to be the most important thing. But then bonus points for steps is that you can go outside and get steps. And guess what's out there? The sun. Surprise. I know you're all shocked. But we can get a nice double whammy of steps and sunlight, which we've touched on the importance of. But walking in nature has shown to have an even more positive effect on blood pressure, heart rate, and cortisol. A hormone that you may have heard can contribute to stress, which we also learned can contribute to wakefulness. So... Not everything is all bad, but walking in nature, it does have positive effects on our overall health. So when we walk, walk often and walk outside, we're going to live long and strong. And that's the goal here, right? We want to live a long time. We want to live strong during that time. And walking can definitely help us do that. So now let's touch on the last one. We're going to touch on water, which is probably... The most obvious one of being beneficial, everybody knows, that's great to drink water. But let's dive in a little further, because water does make up about two-thirds of the human body. Some people say more. But either way, two-thirds is a lot. So if we're, if we're made of a lot of water, chances are we should be drinking a lot of water. So that alone likely confirms how important you already know it is, but it's still probably underrated for improving health. 
because water also helps to dissolve minerals. Our cells bathe in it so that they're fluid, so that they can transmit messages across the body. Our brain swims in a protective, protective ocean of it. So if we want to keep that brain healthy, we want to have water. The brain likes to be very fluid. It's an elect- part of an electrical system. It wants water to conduct that electricity and send messages efficiently and effectively to the rest of the body. But water can also help to regulate body temperature. It's critical to energy creation. So ATP, breaking that down, is how we create energy. Water is necessary to create the chemical reaction to break down ATP. So really, really important for having great energy, water. I always notice, I mean, you guys know if you've been listening, I'm a huge coffee fiend. And I'll notice that if I get too deep into my coffee in the morning and I'm not as focused on water, sometime around midday, I'm going to be struggling with energy. And it's like, why? I've had all this caffeine. I have two cups a day. But still, significant enough caffeine to keep me awake. But the problem was I wasn't drinking my water. So hugely important to having great energy. And then also important to cardiovascular, heart health. It's critical for digestive health. It's critical for performance. So water touches all these different bases that we want in order to live long and live strong. But our body senses hydration not just through good old H2O, but through electrolytes as well. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, these are involved in almost all cellular processes. So we must be mindful of getting those things too. And when it comes to how much water, there are a handful of general guidelines. Most important is just quantity throughout the day. Aim for half your body weight in ounces per day. Pretty simple. If you're doing that, you're going to be doing great. We can also add guidelines around and during your workout too, if you really want to optimize that. So pre-workout, you know, a few hours before, get 17 to 20 ounces, another 10 to 12 ounces right before working out to get some fresh water in your system. During your workout, you want to drink about eight to 10 ounces every 30 minutes. Keep hydrated during for the water that you're losing. And then following your workout, we want to aim for about 24 to 48 ounces, just really over the course of the rest of the day, of course of four to six hours. But again, do not get lost in the weeds here. Your water intake over the course of the day is by far the most important. So the biggest timing tip that I give my clients is get an early start. It is hard to play catch up with water, especially because you don't want to be up all night peeing and affecting your sleep. So the earlier you start, the better, because you are just coming off of hopefully eight hours of sleep where you didn't drink a single drop of water. So you're waking up dehydrated. You're waking up behind the eight ball. So get a phenomenal start. I tell all my clients to get around 20 ounces, give or take a little. Right away, wake up and chug. Get that water in you. It is going to be the most impactful thing for your energy in the morning. Yes, more impactful than that coffee. And trust me, I understand the importance of getting that coffee in the morning. It is my favorite part of the morning. But the water is more important for energy. Again, you're coming off eight eight hours of dehydration. Get your water in the morning. Chug a nice hefty amount. Get yourself off to a nice start so you're not playing behind the rest of the day. So these are our four. These are the four lifestyle factors that I hone in on with my clients. And you know what? Chances are you heard of all these before. You know that all these are important. I didn't just drop some crazy, fancy new knowledge on you. You're like, oh my God, what just happened to me? 
This is different than anything I've ever heard before. I must do this right away. These are the basics. Executing on the basics takes you so, so far. For us normal people, aka not an athlete, not trying to compete in bodybuilding, just somebody who wants to be healthy, who wants to be fit, who wants to be strong, who wants to have energy to play with their family. Those type of normal people, people that you and I are, mastering the basics will get you all the way to your goals. You just have to be ruthless about these basics and not get caught up in the fancy shit that's going to distract you from the things that work. These are the things that work. They're boring. 100% they are boring. But they are effective. They can be efficient. And they're simple. Simple, effective, efficient. This is what Longevity Lab prides itself on. Because you don't need to get lost in the sauce. You don't need to get lost in all these complex things. You don't need to get lost in all this fancy nonsense that you see on social media. The basics work. If you execute on them ruthlessly and consistently. That's all you need to do. You don't need to do nothing crazy. You're just wasting time. You're wasting effort. Hone in on the things that matter. And when it comes to the foundations, we just cover them again. Episode four, nutrition foundations. Episode six, exercise foundations. This episode that you just listened to, lifestyle foundations. Top four, sleep, sun, walk, water. If you do all that and you stay tuned for the mindset foundations that we're going to have upcoming, you are going to crush your goals. I can guarantee you that as long as you are consistent about executing on all these things and you don't get distracted by anything else. Stay the course, be ruthless be consistent. You will win. I'll leave it at that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I hope you learned a little something, something new about some of these lifestyle foundations and enjoyed a little bit of the nerdier side of diving into the science behind them because I like it, but you know, I'm a giant nerd. So I hope you guys too or enjoyed it too. And again, we're going to be coming with you with some mindset foundations at some point soon here. But again, thank you for your time your attention this episode and i hope it was helpful for you guys if it was please screenshot share it on social media let's get the word out to some other people who it might help as well i'd love to get the word out there more so if you enjoyed it if it was helpful screenshot and share i'd appreciate it very much 